Not this morning, and I think everything we've done this morning speaks um, to what I want to say. That there really are two things that I want us to hold tightly to this morning when we think of the Lord's Prayer. And one is to hold on tightly to the truth of God's sovereignty over everything he has made. That God is creator of heaven and earth. That God is perfect in all his ways. That God knows the beginning from the end. He calls himself the great I am. We need to hold on to that tightly. It is a great truth that gives, I want to say, assurance and in testament it's the hope that is an anchor for our souls is the reality of who God is hold that in the other hand hold tightly to the truth that this almighty God creator of heaven and earth invites us through Jesus to call him father those two truths should both I would say humble us before God and also cause us great joy. Last Sunday, um, Sean and, and Mike Weens were leading, and Sean quite often sings the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, How Vast Beyond All Measure. Speaks to the holiness of God, but it also speaks to God who wants us to address him as Father. So in our prayer life, whether audible, face-to-face prayer directed to God, our Father, or whether it is the pray-without-ceasing reality of our daily walk with God, we should be in awe, we should be humbled, we should be at times overwhelmed by the reality of his presence. And at the same time, we should come without fear into his presence because he welcomes us to come as his children. Perfect God says, come to me, call me Abba, Father. As Bruxy said at the beginning, the prayer Jesus encouraged his disciples to use as a model in terms of how we might pray didn't start by focusing on the disciples. It did start by focusing on God himself. So I want to ask this question. How much of my own prayer life, whether it is actually speaking out words or whether it's the quiet thoughts of my heart and my mind focused on God himself, how much of my prayer life is directed toward God. God, you are amazing. God, you are a faithful God. God, you are a strong and mighty fortress. God, you are gracious and compassionate. How much of my prayers utter those words back to my Father? And I think I would say probably not enough of my words simply reflect on how amazing 
God is. Do I live amazed to be and to walk in the presence of Almighty God? Do I live in awe of his creative power and his majesty? Do I find comfort and assurance, peace and strength in knowing that our God, our Father, reigns supreme over all things? Do we continually give thanks to God for Jesus? Simply say, thank you, God, for the gift of grace shown to us in the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for me, became sin for us, in order that we might be made acceptable to God, in order that we might come boldly into his presence to be restored to a relationship with the God who created us. Holy is your name, O God. We bow down before you. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. And yet this God, who is holy, who is just, who is righteous in all his ways, through Jesus invites us to address him as Father, as our spiritual, if I can put it this way, our spiritual daddy. And I struggled a bit with even using that term, but I think that's how we need to see God the Father. Abba, Father, our spiritual dad. And there is an intimacy in this invitation that I think at times should cause us spiritual goosebumps, if there is such a thing. How can it be, God, that you would call someone like me your son or your daughter? We have permission through Jesus to approach God, not as some distant deity, but as a loving father who calls us his own. And I find it amazing that what Jesus today enjoys in the presence of his Father, in the kingdom of heaven, where God reigns supreme, we too will one day enjoy because we are actually joint heirs with Jesus. That there is coming a time when we will live in the presence of Almighty God bow down before him as God, acknowledge him as Father in a way that will be perfect. We do not come before God in fear. We do not cower in the presence of God. We do not approach him hoping we have somehow done enough. We approach God through Jesus without an ounce of self-righteousness. Zero. We come before God because we are actually dressed 
The Bible says we are dressed in the righteousness of Jesus. That's why we can come freely. That's why we can come boldly. That's why we can come without fear. The indwelling presence of the Spirit of God is perhaps the greatest of all gifts that we've been given. A verse that was up there talked about if you and I as earthly parents, mums and dads, know kind of how to give good gifts to our children, in spite of the fact that we are seriously flawed, how much more so does God know how to give good gifts to those who love him? If you look in your translation, it could very well be that instead of saying knows how to give good gifts, it will say, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And I, to me, when I look at those two translations, there seem to be, there, there's a strong difference there that I sort of struggle with. Part of me wants to say, well, it's good gifts because that sounds like stuff. But when it says, how much more will God give you the Holy Spirit? It is, in fact, he's telling you the greatest treasure you actually hold within these jars of clay is the Spirit of God. Come before God, acknowledge God, focus on God, and I believe the Spirit of God will begin to well up in us in a way that we have not experienced before. When we address God as Father, we need to understand that he is our Father who is in heaven. So, not like our Father who is on earth. And as I thought about that this week and even last week, Part of me initially wanted to say, we need to address God in the same way we would address our earthly father. And then I realized how troubling that comparison actually is. That the only reason maybe to make that comparison between your earthly father and your heavenly father is to simply show how much God is unlike your earthly father. You know, I had the privilege of growing up in a very stable and a very secure Christian home. So I, I was blessed. I have five siblings. I have a, an older brother, and I have four younger sisters. So our, we're all reasonably close together. So, I mean, ours was a busy household growing up. Uh, my mom was fully consumed with feeding us, caring for us, and trying to manage us. And my dad was consumed with his secular job as well as the responsibilities that my dad had at church. 
So you might say, well, it sounds busy, but it also actually sounds really good, Doug. And I do think about how fortunate I am. How fortunate I am to sort of enjoy the family that I do. And I know that there are others who might very well say, well, you know what, Doug, uh, as imperfect as your family life might be, uh, my earthly father experience is not even remotely close to yours. That there would be many people who would say, I don't really actually know my dad very well at all. Or there would be people who would say, you know what, I kind of know my dad, but we were generally at odds. That my relationship with my father was not necessarily a positive, wholesome thing. People might say, you know, my dad's and mom's mood could change quickly. And that impacted everything else in our home. And so that comparison only makes sense to me, Doug, if you can tell me how different my heavenly father is from my earthly father. And I began to think about the significant conversations I have had with my own dad and realized how limited they were. Uh, Many of them were actually, I would say, simply kind of awkward parent-child conversations. They weren't the kind of conversations you would have with someone you knew real well. They were often quite guarded, I guess. I would kind of want to know, okay, Dad, why are you all of a sudden wanting to talk to me? I know there's a reason. And I had a loving dad. And I know my dad wanted the best for me. I knew my dad loved me, but I know also that he did not necessarily know what to do with me. And I did not necessarily know always what to make of my dad. Or even what to expect of my dad. And as I grew, I also grew to know how imperfect are good-looking family was, that as kids we were imperfect, and my mom and dad, who I love dearly, were also imperfect. I think being an earthly father, being an earthly mother is a challenging, complicated, at times daunting assignment. And every father and mother fulfills that role imperfectly. That our earthly parents are, and if yours have passed away, they were flawed. And I thought, you know what, every one of them, every mom, every dad, as they sought to nurture, to train, 
to encourage, to love, to discipline their own children, they did so while dealing with their own issues. And I remember as a kid not even crossing my mind that maybe my mom and dad had issues. I thought they kind of, well, you know, they're adults. It's all good. I grew to learn that it wasn't. Some parents were far too lenient. Many other parents were far too punitive. Some children grew up knowing the love of their mom and dad, even as flawed parents, they grew up with the assurance that, you know what, my mom and my dad love me. Others grew up uncertain about that and had to try to earn it through obedience or some other type of performance. And there are many people who have never experienced the true love of a mom and dad. But we have a father who is in heaven, who is perfect in all his ways. When I think about the story of the prodigal son, and I know it's a story, as I thought about that um, One of the highlights for me was the fact that the father was waiting, kind of watching, perhaps praying for his wild son to somehow have a change of heart. And punishment or retribution is not even in the picture. It's not even in the mind of that father about, okay, somehow you need to pay for what you have just done. It's as if the father knew that his son had already paid a high price for his decisions, for his bad choices, for his sins, that his choices had already taken their toll on him. And all we see in this parable is the outstretched arms of the father embracing a lost son who had come home. And I was so happy that when you did that song that said, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. That's the invitation of Abba Father to run into his arms. We all long for a father to whom we can talk without fear, without fear of accusation, without fear of punishment. We all need a father who will simply love us and accept us. We all need a compassionate and forgiving father who does not deal with us according to our faults. What a sweet truth. God is that kind of father. We need to come to him as our spiritual dad. 
No pretenses, no self-righteousness, no strange, weird spiritual language. The more that you know someone, I would say the less complicated is the language you use when you talk to them. I believe that's true with God our Father and how he would have us talk to him. The religious leaders of the day, and we looked at that a bit last week, practiced repetitious, long-winded, I will call them performance-based prayers, perhaps sprinkled with spiritual-sounding phrases, to which Jesus said, if you pray like that, some people will be impressed. But Jesus said, I will not hear those prayers. Jesus says we are to address God as our Father. Talk to him because he knows you. He is your God. We are his sons and daughters. Our Father who is in heaven is perfect in all his ways. Some of our fathers probably dealt with us or hoped that as children we would not cast a bad light on the family. It's like God doesn't sort of have that kind of an issue. Does not deal with us according to our sins. He has dealt with us in the person of Jesus Christ. That he is mindful that we are weak, but it has not dealt with us according to our sins. Whether he has seen our weakness and offered us grace. The undeserved favor of Almighty God is our treasure that we carry with us as children of God. And God says, come into my presence and call me Father. I'm going to end there. There's two things I want us to leave with. And Curtis, uh, feel free to come back up. The one is the unmatched splendor, majesty, awesomeness of the God who created heaven and earth. To be in awe of a God who is holy, just, righteous, perfect in all his ways, who knows that we are weak, and he calls us into his presence through Jesus as our Heavenly Father. I'm going to ask, I hope it's okay, I I think uh, the words are on the screen. Uh, Just before we close, uh, I think it would be great for us just to pray this prayer out loud together as a church. So if you don't mind, I think maybe I'll even invite you to stand. And we'll... I know Bruxy Cavey said the purpose of the Lord's Prayer is not that this is a prayer we should repeat all the time over and over 
but I think it also is a beautiful prayer to pray as it is written from time to time in our own lives and perhaps even in the church. So pray it with me. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.